Hi, welcome to episode 28 of Cinemazing Chats, in which we're going to discuss Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Snyder Cut. <laughs> I'm Pablo, and I'm here with Erica. Hey. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about the original version of this movie that they released, uh, you know, years ago. And what we remember from that movie, or like what we thought of it. Personally, um... I thought it was fine, like, it wasn't that memorable in retrospect, but, like, there wasn't anything, like, egregiously bad about it. But then having watched this version, I realized that a lot of the stuff that I actually liked in that version came from this, and I almost wonder if, uh, I don't know, maybe Whedon was almost hoping that just everyone knowing, like, what happened behind the scenes, people would think, oh, the bad parts are probably from Zack Snyder, or something like that. But mostly I remember that there's a bunch of, like, weird, unnecessary scenes that aren't in this version at all. In fact, as far as I know, Zack Snyder never watched the original version. So, for example, there's, like, a contrived intro scene where Superman's, like, talking to some kids on their cell, on their cell phones. And there's another, like, weird montage that I actually thought Snyder had filmed, but apparently it was Joss Whedon, where, uh, there's, like, some song playing over, like, people being sad about Superman being dead. And that's how the movie starts. And there's also a weird interest scene with Batman that's like, almost seems like it's trying to be Batman the Animated Series, but the tone's like really cheesy and corny, and the whole scene doesn't make any sense. He's like trying to uh, capture a bank robber and like make him scared so that a parademon appears, and then Batman like somehow takes out the parademon and at least behind the imprints of the mother boxes, which makes no fucking sense at all. Whoa, yeah. And the... I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> and then I think uh, there was another thing where like um they added this whole thing about like this russian family that for some reason lived near the like nuclear plant at the end of the movie so that you have stakes instead of like the amazing thing that happens at the end of this movie with a flash his whole role in the last scene is basically to save that family and that's his like entire thing it's like really stupid it's just like something from the avengers basically oh i didn't even catch that that family was in the first one okay yeah so basically, uh, again, people probably would have blamed a lot of the bad parts from the original version on Zack Snyder, but now in retrospect we can see that Zack Snyder actually had a pretty coherent vision and was kind of given short shrift, uh, and we can see that there's a lot of people behind the scenes that were kind of, you know, the uh, architects of getting him out and trying to change the tone or the flavor of whatever they thought this should be. Yeah, definitely um, seemed like a lot of executive meddling or something <laughs> with that first one. And then the dumbest decision that they made of all was somebody uh, up in WB basically said that the cut had to be two hours long, which considering this version is double that length, they left like a bunch of important scenes, including most of the cyborg sequences, on the cutting room floor um, for no particularly good reason, just to, you know, they're always thinking about how many uh, showings can we get in a theater per day so we can maximize the potential. But again, I think they would have made a lot more money, and it would have been a lot more crowd-pleasing if they had released the original version, or not modified it as much. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we found out through the news that they just wanted to be, like, racist. That was part of why they cut out the cyborg stuff, or who knows what their- I guess that was part of their motivation. But kind of the weird thing for me, at least, and I won't go too much into Joss Whedon, obviously he's, like, mired in controversy right now, but, uh, you know, looking at his whole uh, work, he doesn't seem like a particularly racist guy. And it seems like he's, like, used people of color in lots of different roles. In fact, he originally uh, wanted Cordelia to be black in Buffy, but the studio executives pushed against that. So I think, yeah, there might have been some racial tensions, but I don't think it was from Whedon, necessarily. Oh, no, yeah, I was thinking, though, 
what is it, Warner Brothers? Yeah. People probably were like, oh, we'll just cut all this out. So I think, I mean, it's kind of weird to me in the first place that Warner Brothers hired Zack Snyder after, you know, everybody pretty much hated BVS, Batman versus Superman. But even in that case, like, if you watch the Ultimate Edition, which adds some more scenes, uh, that movie makes a lot more sense uh, if you watch the full cut. And again, they made a bunch of, like, arbitrary edits that made the movie make no sense, but it's the same thing that happened in this case. Well, I feel, okay, basically on this I feel like, um, yeah, four hours is, like, obviously too long for one movie. Right. Um, and I would always, but I do Except feel for like... the Lord of the Rings and Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. <laughs> oh my god. Um, uh, but yeah, like, basically I would normally advocate for a shorter and sweeter story, but the I will say if their rival is Marvel movies, those movies are really long, like two and a half hours long or whatever, so they could easily have done, like, a two-parter and gotten two movie two long epic movies out of this or something right and kind of the ironic thing was uh so this came out i think slightly before the original version came out slightly before infinity war and they almost could have gotten to the punch first of like releasing a comic book epic which is like what infinity war and endgame were uh but instead i think joss whedon was coming off of age of ultron and kind of wanted to make it or maybe wb may want to make it more like the avengers movies you know really simple they removed all the dark side stuff, so it's basically just Steppenwolf wants this, like, really simple goal. Um, I will say, and I feel like maybe this is putting too much weight on Ben Affleck, but I feel, okay, not to be mean to him, but, like, I feel like everyone else in the in the Justice League cast was, like, bringing something, like, people liked the Wonder Woman movie, so it was kind of coming off of that right. high. Um, and people like, like, uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah. Um and the flash characters funny and anyways point being no, that's true um i just feel like if the fucking batman movies with ben affleck had been better maybe this would have also like been a bit better because he's like leading the justice league and he just kind of is like meh as batman or something i will say that i do like ben affleck's batman i don't like necessarily everything he's written to do especially in batman versus superman and I'm glad that in this movie he never shot a human uh, with a gun. <laughs> Wait, did he do that? In Batman vs. Superman, yeah. Oh my god, I don't remember that. He killed oh, a bunch no. of people for some reason. Well, that's a weird movie, and I would also say like they probably should have just let Zack Snyder adapt The Dark Knight Returns, which he was obviously like really uh, obsessed with and seemed like he probably could have done a good <laughs> version of, given uh, his work on Watchmen and 300. Like he's done mm -hmm. Frank Miller adaptations before. Mm. But I will say, if you look at the overall plots uh, of Batman vs. Superman, it, it is actually very similar to Civil War, and everybody loved that movie, so it's kind of funny how the receptions were different. I will also say that it seemed like in this movie they had Batman kind of, like, step into the background a lot. Uh, like, he didn't have that much of a arc, really. It's just, like, he brought the team together, basically. That's very true. Like, I liked his look, and I feel like I like his interpretation of it, even if, again, there's some problems with what he does. Oh, that's true. I mean, I guess um, he brought the comic relief with Alfred a bit, too. Yeah, no, I love that there was more Alfred <laughs> in this cut. And also, if you look at the original cut, you can really see that all the reshoots, like, the actors have nothing behind their eyes. They're just kind of, like, doing it because probably the studio mandates them to. Uh, Ray Porter, who plays Cyborg particularly, uh, I don't think really cared. Uh, and Ben Affleck was so pissed off from all that experience that he went off the solo movie that he was going to direct. And just to touch on it briefly, there's, like, what? this awesome tag at the end of this movie, which I would have loved to have seen. 
uh, they have Lex Luthor come back in the epilogue, and he's on a yacht, and he talks to this character, uh, Deathstroke, who's a great character from the comic, and, and is portrayed perfectly uh, in this little sequence. And in the original cut, basically all Lex Luthor says is, I think we should make a Injustice League, or an Injustice Society, or whatever it's called, uh, you know, the bad guys. Oh, the Whedon version is, says that? Yeah, but in this one, he straight up tells Deathstroke, oh, by the way, you might want to know that Batman is Bruce Wayne, which is like a fucking awesome tag in like a lead-in to mm. a movie. Like, uh, apparently Ben Affleck's movie would have been him and Deathstroke, like, facing off and basically Deathstroke trying to ruin his life and all that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of lost potential, and you can see lots of other tags they do at the end of this movie with, like, uh, you know, they imply that Wonder Woman's gonna go back to Themyscira, uh, and who knows if that's gonna happen in the sequel. Uh, you know, there's all this stuff with the nightmare sequence that could have been its own movie, I guess. Okay, this is what, one, one thing, just an aside about Wonder Woman... It seems like the Amazons keep getting killed off. Like, didn't some get killed in the Wonder Woman movie and a bunch got killed by Steppenwolf? And so I'm like, how many are even left and they can't reproduce? <laughs> there should be, there's like five left after <laughs> thousands of years. No, that's a really good point. And maybe that could have been like a, maybe that could be like a story arc. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I will also say that the Amazons in this version were portrayed a lot better, uh, you know, just being fierce warriors. It's kind of ironic, because I remember when this movie was being made, a lot of people were worried that Zack Snyder was going to, like, sex it up and, like, be demeaning towards women. But if you look at the the original version, that one's actually demeaning towards Wonder Woman and kind of sexist. And this one, she's just, like, a badass yeah. warrior who's, like, really brutal and fierce. As are all the other Amazonians. And we get a lot more of uh, Bonnie Nielsen uh, as her mother. Mm. Yeah, there's a whole um, keep-away scene with the box... Or multiple scenes. <laughs> but even after that, they have a whole sequence with, like, a ritual with, uh, I think it was the uh, Arrow of Artemis or something like that. That they have to shoot to send to signal to the world of man that uh, a force was coming. Oh, right, right. No, just that this movie went into more of the backstory about, like, why there are these boxes and how people, the different groups of people made a pact or something like that. But anyway, we should kind of rewind a little bit to the beginning. Uh... So basically, the Whedon version comes out. It's it's a minor success, but it's considered not to be successful by WB. They immediately like tie any like potential sequel <laughs> plans, or like they don't make any more Superman movies or or Batman movie with Ben Affleck. Uh, and for years, you know, people were kind of like wondering, you know, what was the original cut because there's various leaks and like it almost sounds like fan fiction. All these scenes that people describe. And then it turned out that they were all true, they were all real, and they're all in this version. Um, and obviously this was like a fan-led campaign to kind of pester WB and the powers that be over and over again. Uh, they wanted to see the Zack Snyder cut, and you know, obviously we can talk about the toxic elements that were included there. Uh, you know, I wasn't like that passionate about it, I thought it would be cool to see it, and obviously uh, I wanted to see what the original artistic vision was. Uh, and I will say, even before seeing this movie, that I wasn't that um, optimistic about it. You know, I kind of thought it would be pretty similar to the original version, or maybe even worse, uh, you know, based on mm-hmm. BVS and all that. I should also mention that I liked Man, vs. Uh, Man of Steel quite a bit. Uh, I'm one of the few people who would defend that movie, probably. Uh, you know, aside from the whole Metropolis destruction sequences, I thought that movie was a pretty good representation of Superman. I don't think I saw that one because I was just like, eh, to Superman. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. And, you know, the, the whole idea is produced by Chris Nolan and it was co-written by um, the same guy who co-wrote uh, Dark Knights. 
uh, David Goyer, and the whole idea was like, what would it be like if Superman were real, or like, what would it be like if an alien came to Earth? So we're kind of bringing like some speculative fiction elements into it. Um, so I think it's interesting. There's some like interesting themes and stuff going on. You know, like would he just automatically want to save everyone? Like would he like wrestle with this and all that? Like would people be hostile toward him or just accept it? He would talk to kids on their cell phones or whatever right. that scene was. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that movie uh, does have a lot of hopeful elements. The scene where he learns to fly is, like, really strong. Um, you can see even before he becomes Superman, he, like, tries to save people. He wouldn't know what powers he has because he didn't know Obviously, Yeah, parents. and obviously he's, like, super jacked uh, in that movie. <laughs> and He's born jacked. Right. And, like, if you compare it to the preceding Superman movie, Superman Returns, like, there's barely any action in that movie at all. Like, he takes out some guy with a machine gun. I think that's the biggest action sequence. Or, like, he saves a plane, which isn't even, like, him fighting somebody. Uh, so I, I will say, at least in Man of Steel, it had Zod in it, who could actually pose, like, a real threat to him. And there's actually some good action and stuff, and good acting. And I think Amy Adams is a great Lois Lane. Um... So yeah, I think that movie gets, like, unfairly maligned a little bit, and maybe it's not quite like the Superman that everybody wants to see, but it's Zack Snyder's interpretation, maybe he's, like, a little more nihilistic in some ways, I don't know. So anyway, uh, eventually this fan campaign succeeds, and this movie gets, like, defying all hopes, gets a second life on HBO Max, uh, and they poured a ton of money into it, um, and you can even see, like... I will say, like, in the original version, maybe the CGI is a little more uh, polished or something like that, but just, like, what Zack Snyder does with the CGI is a lot more inventive in this one. Um, perfect comparison would be the Wonder Woman uh, museum um, hostage sequence, which in the original version, I don't know, she just does some stupid stuff, but it's not very exciting. In this version, she's, like, whipping around, like, tossing people into walls, like, blocking people's bullets. Uh, it's just, like, a lot better conceived and more dynamic and really shows how Wonder Woman's, like, doing everything she can to value human life and all that stuff. And she's not afraid to, like, use lethal force if it's, like, with these terrorists or whatever they were supposed to be. I will say in both versions, uh, whatever that cult was never made any sense. They're just like, we want to take things back to the Dark Ages. <laughs> Or whatever. Oh, that's true. I actually just forgot about them because it was like it just became about the parademons and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, so I was again a little uh, dreading this movie w uh, with how it started. Like, we immediately get re reminded of how um, Superman gets killed by um, <laughs> Doomsday at the end of BVS. So immediately you're like, oh, BVS. <laughs> uh, just remembering oh it. But it's kind of a cool scene, just like in the sense that it kind of looks like a, I don't know, like a mural or something. It's the way they pose it. Um, and then they have this interesting idea, which is that Superman's death now is actually what activates the mother box and gets all these characters, like, uh, wondering what's going on. Like, you briefly check in with Cyborg and Aquaman and all the other characters. Uh, so there's actually a reason why the plot starts. It's not just, like, random or whatever. Oh, that's true. And I have seen some complaints that are saying, like, why would they care? Like, why wouldn't they have come before Superman? Uh, you know, because Superman wasn't always on Earth. And the whole thing is, like, Superman, the Kryptonian, is dead, so now we can invade or whatever. But you can also think of it, like, as time. Like, whatever their plot is might have been moving at the same pace as whatever was happening in this movie. So maybe it just lined up the right way for them to invade. I don't know. Like, I don't think that's a plot hole, necessarily. Mm, oh, like, why wouldn't they have done uh 
taken over Earth prior to Superman being born or something? Is that what... Right, yeah. or just arriving on Earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this movie was co-written uh, by Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio, and Chris Terrio famously also wrote uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, which I fucking loathe. <laughs> I hate that movie a lot. Um, so I will just say this is a far better showing <laughs> of his writing abilities than whatever was going on in the behind the scenes of that movie. It's kind of funny, this movie starts with, like, a little post uh, prescript that just says, uh, you know, to preserve the integrity of Zack Snyder, <laughs> this movie was presented in the original 4-3 format. Which, again, it would be kind of cool <laughs> to see this in IMAX, uh, you know, whenever all this shit ends, the, the pandemic. But um, it's just funny to be like, he has integrity, or <laughs> whatever, I don't know. Yeah, the in- we must keep the integrity of his vision. <laughs> the Snyder Cut. But then by the end they kind of convinced me. I'm like, oh yeah, you just kind of have integrity, huh? <laughs> I need to see Steppenwolf's um, tight ass in 4 by 3 by 3 or whatever the ratio was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's a few scenes in the beginning that aren't completely necessary and probably could have been edited out, but they do a good job of like setting up the epic scope of this movie and just like uh, showing the geography of this, you know, checking in briefly with the Atlanteans, with Mira, showing briefly the Amazonians, like the temple where they're guarding the mother box, um, and then briefly showing a little clip of like Lois walking through a very Seattle-esque metropolis. <laughs> um, so all that was good. Oh yeah, because I didn't really, yeah, I definitely didn't remember Cyborg too much from the first one, and so, yeah, they're setting up every character in this one in the beginning. Right, so Ray Porter has been outspoken about how they, like, abused him and, like, uh, really didn't do service to him in the original cut, and you can see that he was exactly 100% right, uh, based on this cut, in which Cyborg is, like, integral and almost, like, the central character of the movie, and his whole arc is, like, the most satisfying overall, I would say. Yeah, he's actually probably, uh, ends up being, like, the most integral to the bad guy, defeating the bad guy at the end. And not just him, we see, like, flashbacks with his mother, we see him playing football, which is a pretty cool scene, I guess. Um, we have a lot more with Silas, uh, you know, Miles Dyson from the Terminator movies, it's kind of ironic. Uh, but in this movie, uh... (laughs) Sorry, the actor's name is Joe Morton, but he's playing Silas. He, he has a really good performance, I thought, as well. So it's all just these, like, little elements that maybe don't seem that big on their own, but then as they, uh, you know, add up, it's all these little, like, grace notes that just make this movie a lot more engaging, uh, just add to the whole world-building aspect. And basically, pretty much how every character is introduced is a lot more interesting and better, in my opinion. Like the first shot we get of Bruce Wayne uh, after the the little uh, BVS flashback, you just see this man in this like snowy uh, cliff, like braving the elements, going through these brutal conditions, and then he ends up in Aquaman's village. Whereas in the original version, I think it just starts with him like on the ridge, like looking over at Aquaman's village, and that's it. So you don't get a sense of like mm-hmm. an epic journey that he went through, or like testing his mortality and all this stuff. It's just like he's already there or whatever. Yeah, his nips weren't even shown because he wasn't cold. <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny if this was, like, this grim, like, realistic world, and then they insisted on having the nipples on the Batman suit. Zack Snyder's <laughs> like, well, bats are mammals, so, like, of course he would have nipples. It's accurate. <laughs> but yeah, you just, oh you just get the sense that in the Joss Whedon version, he almost wasn't respecting the audience or, in a way, or maybe he doesn't care for DC characters in a way. Uh, just, like, all the dialogue seemed like it was trying to be cuddly and was, like, super dumbed down or something. Just 
trying to go for, like, the lowest common denominator, like, dumb yuck jokes. Whereas in this version, mm-hmm. I thought, like, most of the humor actually worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, though, Cyclops in this one's, like, very broody, and it was interesting You said Cyclops, but I think I you watched... meant Cyborg. <laughs> oh, my God, Cy- And then Cyclops <laughs> appears, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> oh, my God, it's x Men. <laughs> my favorite x Men is x Men. <laughs> I love that guy. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, cyborg. Um, yeah, cyborg is like very broody in this one, which is interesting because in like Doom Patrol, he's a well, all the characters in that they're just a bit more humorous or whatever. So like this one, it's he's like often just like brooding about his dad alone in a room or something. Right. I felt like they worked really hard to try to make these characters palatable, but then I actually liked that they were slightly unlikable. Like, another example is Barry Allen, the Flash. In the original cut, he's just, like, uh, always saying the quips or whatever, you know, the comic relief. But in this one, he's kind of, like, alienating, a little bit weird, kind of, like, caustic towards his father and other people. Um, You know, we get a great sequence that's not in the original cut at all, where he saves his, like, future wife, Iris West. Uh, You know, she's about to get... Uh, you know, kind of cartoonishly squashed by this truck uh, where this guy's, like, reaching down to get his burger or whatever the hell. Uh, And then he, like, uses his powers to break the window in a really cool sequence and, like, saves her. There is one weird thing with a hot dog that he later uses to feed a dog because he's interviewing to to be a dog watcher or whatever. That's kind of weird, but um, aside from that, I really like the music choice. Uh, In general, the, like, music stings in this one were a lot better in the original version. Like, in the original version, they just have, like, random Seven Nation Army playing, like, in the Aquaman scene, <laughs> going to the water. Uh, I think the music they used in that in the scene in this version was a lot better, too. They randomly used the song Come Together by the Beatles, uh, like, they have some cover. And I actually kind of like that cover, but I don't think it was necessary for this movie at all. Like, I think the, sure. the version, the song choices that Snyder made in this cut were a lot more distinctive uh, and sort of thematically appropriate. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was going to say that, yeah, when I looked up Zack Snyder, I guess one of his things he's known for is the slow-mo, so maybe that was how he, like, landed this position in the first place, was that the Flash would be in this, and he could do all this, like, fighting slow motion and stuff. And I will say that is actually a great use for slow motion, to to portray, a, like, a fast character. <laughs> right. And they do a lot of really <laughs> cool stuff with the Flash specifically. Um, you know, a lot of people complain about the Zack Snyder slow motion, and uh, that's an easy criticism to make, but actually I have never really cared about that. Um, I think in BVS it could get a little much, uh, you know, they keep showing, like, gun shells, like, hitting the floor or whatever, uh, and they have to show, like, Batman's parents getting murdered again in super slow motion. Oh no! Um, but in this one... Martha! Why'd you say Martha? <laughs> But in this one, uh, I thought the slow motion was pretty appropriate, you know, you're kind of trying to replicate comic panels, uh, you know, and a lot of people say Zack Snyder has a great eye, and I have to kind of second that, like a lot of sequences, scenes, um, you know, they have a very, like, Avengers-esque slow motion towards the camera scene near the end, so, um, you know, I think he does use the slow motion effectively to kind of use, to kind of make tableaus, or kind of show how people's powers are working, I don't know, I didn't really, that wasn't a problem for me, I guess. Yeah, no, I think you're actually, I mean, it kind of, it fits with this movie. But yeah, like you're saying, there's like maybe a threshold where you can use it too much. Just, you know, it's a ta- taste level thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously with 300, he was uh, really into the speed ramping effect, which is like where somebody's moving at normal speed and they like speed up or like slow down or whatever. 
for the fight sequences. <laughs> and again, he was trying to replicate uh, Frank Miller's original art. So it's kind of appropriate there, too. Uh, and people really like that movie, too, I should say. So I think people just, like, use that as an yeah. easy criticism to say, oh, yeah, he's using fucking slow motion again. Uh, and I don't really buy it. <laughs> well, I was wondering about, like, this suggestion. What about, like, Zack Snyder in a director duo with someone else? Because I feel like he does the visual stuff in the fight scenes and stuff. But some of the lines in this movie were a little cheesy, like... Um, I don't know, just Wonder Woman talking to Cyborg being like, I also lost someone I love. I was like, okay. <laughs> but even then, I will say, like, I compared that exact scene versus the original. Uh, and in this one, again, Cyborg's, like, super broody. He says, fuck the world or whatever. Uh, you know, maybe, yeah, they fuck the world. <laughs> maybe they didn't need, like, three <laughs> F-bombs in this movie. Uh, I think earlier <laughs> with the hostage scene, they're like, fuck you people or something. I don't know. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, Cyborg's just, like, a lot weirder. He, like, comes down with, like, um, the way they make him fly in this movie is, like, he has little jets that come out all over his body with, like, purple flames, which is a lot more interesting than the original, which I think he just had, like, boo jets, probably, or something. So, again, they tried to, like, make these characters more palatable, supposedly, but I actually like that they're darker and, like, they have to have an arc where they, like, you know, find their humanity and all that. Mm, That does sound very, um... Like, some, like, very studio exec. Like, they'll just take all the character out of anything and just make it as generic as possible. Right. I mean, so baffling to me that these people always have so much power over how a movie ends up when they're, like, not the creative force. I mean, maybe studio executives have had some, like, good suggestions here and there. But overall, they're just like, oh, I don't think the audience would understand this part. Can we have somebody, like, explain it directly to the camera or whatever? Like, can we dumb this down or, like, target middle America or whatever? And it's like, can't they maybe do a test audience or test it? But then they're like, oh, we can't give away the secrets or I don't know. I feel like there's some way they people could prove like, okay, my the audience is responding well to my work or something. And I will say, um, so obviously DC started this whole experiment late, like Marvel was well in the game when they started. Uh, so a lot of it was like growing pains and playing catch up, uh, particularly BVS. I mean, personally, I would have much preferred them do a Man of Steel 2, a proper Batman, uh, Ben Affleck movie, and then maybe try BVS, Um, but obviously that's not the route they went with. But uh, I think people don't understand that there's, like, a really distinct difference between the Marvel heroes and the DC heroes, which is, like, the DC heroes are almost, like, god-level powers, and they're mythic. Like, you even see the scene where Aquaman's introduced, all these people kind of revere him, they, like, sing him this uh, weird little sea shanty, which, again, a lot of people have criticized that, but I actually like the weird sea shanty and, like, the weird woman, like, sniffing the sweater. Yeah, that was actually the weirdest part was the uh, woman sniffed his uh, sweater in, like, an obsessive sexy way. But again, these people basically are, like, demigods. They have, like, godlike powers. Like, this guy can swim in the sea and go to, like, deep underwater. He can, like, communicate with sea life or, like, potentially all life if you extended it. Yeah. Oh, and they do address... Um... Basically, like, without Superman, Wonder Woman having been a demigod from Ares or whatever, like, is the next most powerful. So they definitely, like, address, like, the power levels or, like, how strong these people are. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it would make sense. Um, And it was kind of funny, like, people criticize Zack Snyder again, saying, like, oh, he's just trying to, like, be Marvel or whatever. And again, Marvel's trying to be, like, these human level, like, you could put yourself in these people's shoes kind of things, like with Spider-Man or whoever. Um... 
But you can see that Zack Snyder clearly had a vision for how to make these characters like distinct from the Marvel, so it's not just a copy, it's not just like them playing catch-up. He was clearly here trying to elevate it to these like epic Lord of the Rings-esque battle scenes. Mm-hmm. Like we have the whole flashback with the Age of Heroes, I think they call it. Um, which again, the way they have Diana kind of figured all this stuff out makes a lot more sense. Like, she uh, recovers the arrow of Artemis. There's some sort of message about where she can find this, like, tomb. She, like, raids this tomb in, like, her fancy white outfit. <laughs> she just came from, like, her archaeology job. Yeah, she just jumps in heels. I remember that. <laughs> she slams into the ground. She's so, she doesn't <laughs> care about anything. <laughs> That's what she learned from Kristen Wiig. She's like, you have to look fierce and fabulous all the time. From uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Um... <laughs> But yeah, she actually finds a mural, uh, and that's what, like, reveals, like, what the mother box are, not just, like, some parademon, like, flashing against a wall or whatever the fuck. Um, and then she actually explains to Bruce, like, uh, thousands of years ago, Darkseid tried to come here before, uh, but there were heroes at that time who could, like, sort of repel him. And you see that there's, like, Zeus and Ares, even though Ares, I think, is played by a different actor than, like, the, um, David the Lewis or whatever, um, from Harry Potter. Uh, and you see the Amazonians again really repping themselves well, and the Atlanteans, uh, and it's a really well-conceived and well-executed uh, battle scene. Like, the effects in that sequence in particular are actually really well done. Uh, like, almost rivals, like, whatever Peter Jackson did. So, if you compare that scene to, uh, you know, the original, the original was like a wet fart in comparison, I don't know, it just, like, didn't even register in the original version. Mm. And again, you see there's a Green Lantern, but in this version it's actually related to something. It's supposed to be, like, the first Green Lantern who discovered this, uh, Earth territory. Oh, and you see fucking Darkseid, by the way, but we'll get to that later. They... I think Darkseid says there's no Kryptonian or Lantern of, like, on this planet. So maybe, yeah, the Lanterns are super powerful, I guess. Exactly. Um... And in the original, there was no Darkseid. It was just, like, Steppenwolf doing all that stuff instead. Uh, but in this version, you see Darkseid get, like, grievously injured. So maybe he had to, like, go off and heal for, like, thousands of years. I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe there's Yeah, he went off to grow stronger. I don't... Oh, basically what he did is got his simp Steppenwolf to, Steppenwolf to do everything for him. Right. Oh, uh, and I will say, like, in the original publicity material for this movie, they kept using the phrase, Unite the Seven. But if you look at the original movie, that makes no fucking sense. Because the original movie is <laughs> Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Superman. Cyborg. Oh, sorry, Cyborg. It's six people. It's a tagline that makes no sense. In this one, we are introduced to Martian Manhunter, who they reveal has been, like, cleverly disguising himself the entire time. Right. That's true. I was going to ask, did he appear at all in the first one? Because I didn't remember. No, he's not at all in the original version. Uh, so that tagline makes no sense. It's just, like, nonsense. Um, and I will say that originally I think Zack Snyder wanted to have a Green Lantern appear for that, and possibly maybe even Ryan Reynolds, I have no idea. But the studio at that point didn't like that either, so that's why he went with Martian Manhunter, who I love, so I'm glad to see him in any form. Uh, I, I would have liked him to take part in, like, the third act, but I guess that, that would have been too much or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been cool. Oh, wait, that's what I wanted to ask, actually, is, um... So yeah, we mentioned the title card about the integrity of Zack Snyder, but there were four parts or five parts? How many parts were there? They had like title cards that were like part one, part two. So the movie starts in media res with, you know, Superman getting killed again by Doomsday. Uh, so that's not even a part. Then there's six different parts and an epilogue. And maybe this would be a good point <laughs> oh, that's to right. talk about the bug fuck insane uh, 
ending sequence epilogue thing. Oh my god! So this is kind of like <laughs> it. Kind of, you can kind of compare it to uh, there's a series Dollhouse where they did almost a similar thing, which is uh, where they showed some flash forwards to what might potentially happen in the future. And that's kind of what they were, have been doing with these nightmare sequences. Like in BVS, you had no idea what that was. Like, uh, okay, so Batman had some random dream that didn't make any sense. But this one, they kind of flesh it out a little bit more. So clearly we have some sort of like... Um, oh, and Cyborg has also some like flash forwards or something where they're bringing Superman back to life. And he's like, no, don't do it. Uh, so you get like a little bit of a story oh, arc. Yeah. Like you can kind of put it together. Like it's not obviously spoon-fed to you, but... Uh, Clearly, at some point in the future, Darkseid makes it to Earth, like he implicates that he's going to do. He uses the anti-life equation, which he finds, uh, to take Superman over. And then Superman's just like a full-on baddie, so he uses him to take over the world. Which is very similar to different plot arcs they've used in the comics, and uh, particularly in the animated series that was done by the uh, Batman the Animated Series people. You know, the Superman the Animated Series and the Justice League series. Yeah. Superman getting possessed, basically. Yeah, so clearly the implication is that the heroes... Uh, oh, it was also used significantly in this video game series Injustice, which then had its own successful comic book spinoff. Um, so clearly that was the provocative plotline they were moving towards, is um, probably Lois Lane getting killed by Darkseid, or the Joker, I don't know. Uh, and then eventually <laughs> they have this like nightmare world where everything's fucked. Yeah, so it's like super post-apocalyptic, and then also that... Um guy was there what was his name deathstroke he was like their ally because they're all against superman yeah so you get some more deathstroke um yeah so it's kind of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing like they all just have to unite um you get samira in the future uh and again mira had like a british accent throughout this movie which is kind of weird and you see jared leto's joker which let me just say (laughs) fuck that guy preemptively uh you know you can look into all the allegations against him i won't delve into that too much, but clearly he should have been cancelled a long time ago. I mean, I think he is actually a good actor. Uh, you know, obviously I hated his Suicide Squad performance, but that movie's kind of trash in general. Uh, but this isn't about Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to see him here. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, his performance in this movie was fine. Um, you know, if it was some other actor, I wouldn't even care. Uh, but, you know, just the lines they say in that sequence and the whole sequence are just, like, really going out there and just like kind of crazy i don't know i might have left that out or maybe made it a credit sequence or something but again they show it's like uh batman's dream and maybe if they had made a sequel they would have shown there's some like some logical reason why he's getting these flashes and, and that's where you see Martian yeah because cyborg cyborg had a reason um right because he's connected to the mother boxes yeah well and he it was like in the um it was when they're bringing superman back to life and he was in the krypton krypton whatever Kryptonian ship ship yeah, and yeah, with with the juice and the box. He wants the juice. <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of Superman juice in there that if you just marinate him, <laughs> marinate him for four right hours. Way, yeah, and then fry him up. He just lightly brown him comes right back to <laughs> life. Yeah. right up. <laughs> and I will say again that that sequence in the original movie uh, hardly registered. You know, it was like nothing. They're just like, I guess we're going to do this plan. And right before that, they have, like, this uh, kind of ghoulish scene where Flash and Cyborg are, are, like, digging up his body and kind of, like, cracking wise about it. Which is kind of like... They're like, haha, we're exhuming Superman's body. Yeah, which they have a similar scene in this, but (laughs) none of that dumb humor. Uh, And and a lot of them are kind of being like, should we do this? Is this a good thing to do? Like, actually discussing it. Which, again, if you look at the Justice League comics, particularly the brilliant Grant Morrison run 
uh, you can see that a lot of the best stuff of Justice League is them like discussing the philosophical, moral implications of the various things they're doing, kind of like Star Trek or something. So it's it was nice for them to have that back and forth. And then uh, there's a really cool thing, which is when Flash is actually going to do it, he realizes that he went too late, and they show him actually reverse time, which is a nice uh, foreshadowing for what's going to happen later on in the movie at the end. Mm. And we should also mention that Lois is shown to bring coffee to uh, the people guarding Superman's immoral or whatever, and that's the like random reason that she's there for that sequence. Oh yeah, she just brings coffee to the security guard every day. Hey, cab. <laughs> oh wait, there. Yeah, some of the funny lines. Um, like I tried to write some of the funny lines. Like yeah, Victor says fuck the world. Oh, someone says what were your superpowers oh, yeah. to Batman, and he I'm says rich. I'm rich. That was a good one. Victor, uh, the cyborg, says I'm always dressed. <laughs> Cause I'm oh yeah, that's a good one. Mostly robot. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. So yeah, there was some humor. And he significantly doesn't say booyah in this version. He says, like, hell yeah or something. So it's mm. not just, like, pointlessly uh, teasing the audience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of the flash lines are better in this version, or, like, there's not... I feel like they added a lot more in the Whedon version that didn't really add anything. It just kind of, like, watered his character down in a way. Mm-hmm. So let's see. We should say, um, I guess the whole proper plot starts with uh, the... Mother Box getting activated in the Amazonian camp, which brings Steppenwolf down uh, through a boom tube, which actually booms in this version, uh, again, to point out. And you see Steppenwolf, uh, which in this version, I think he has a way better design, like it's way more interesting to look at. Uh, in the other version, he just kind of looks human. Uh, and in this version, they actually like put a filter on his voice. It might have even been the same actor, I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't look that up. But just the filter on his voice makes him a better character, and he has, like, better motivations. Like, there's some implication that he, like, betrayed Darkseid, or he's, like, trying to get good with him again. Um, and they show a lot more of Darkseid's, like, other lieutenants. Uh, there's this character Desaad, and you briefly see Granny Goodness, which are pretty major characters in the, in the comics. And this is all from Jack Kirby's um, Fourth World, New Gods stuff, which is a little bit cheesy, very 60s, but uh, very influential in a lot of these Darkseid-esque plot lines. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to see some of that make it back through. Um, but just generally, I think uh, Steppenwolf was a lot more interesting, a lot more brutal, like lethal. Uh, like, you know, he's kind of just swatting off people in the original version, whereas in this version he's like slamming his axe into people and all that stuff. And the whole Amazonian mm-hmm. plan makes a lot more sense in this version. In the original version, they're literally just trying to like smash the door so it'll come down and lock him in, but then he bursts through like two seconds later. Uh, <laughs> versus in this version, they literally like entomb the entire thing into the ocean they just like sink it uh which is a way better plan uh so then eventually he recovers it uh and then you learn more about cyborg um and i will also say about the chapters that i think that helps with the replayability or will help if people want to rewatch this just um you know they don't have to watch the whole movie uh you know we watch this in kind of two parts two two hour chunks Mm -hmm. that's true it's better to do it that way probably and I think it's also significant that Joss Whedon hasn't really directed a film of this scope since. Uh, you know, I think the box office returns or maybe the critical reception of Ultron and the original Justice League probably affected that somewhat, but uh, he was about to launch a show on HBO, but got kicked off that too. Hmm. So I don't know what's going on with that guy, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was going to say, like an example of a, a bad line when we're, is yeah, in the... Um 
Wonder Woman introduction scene where she or she's like saving people in the bank heist. Mm. And just when the terrorists just explain, we're a small group of reactionary terrorists, like perfectly explaining. It. Well, that kind of made sense because she was using the lasso of troth, which makes people just not, not lie. Oh, okay, okay. So they're supposed to be kind of robotic. Yeah, but also if you compare that to the original version, in the original version, there is no scene like that. She just like goes to the main terrorist guy and he has almost the same lines, but I don't know, the tone's just a lot worse, in my okay. opinion. Um, I love that they have to show Bruce Wayne shaving in both this version and the original version uh, to get some, like, product placement for whatever shaver they're using. Was it Gillette? <laughs> I did know it was Gillette. I was intentionally not saying <laughs> Oh, no! So anyway, pay us money, Gillette. <laughs> <laughs> but again, just, like, the way it looks, like, even in the original version, all the scenes that were shot with Zack Snyder, you know, whoever cinematographer is, uh just looked better, and if you compare that scene with Bruce Wayne and Alfred on the plane to the one in the Joss Whedon one, uh, maybe they were even trying to make it look more like the Avengers, I don't know, or a Marvel movie, but just, like, doesn't look as impactful. It's not as uh, mm -hmm. well-lit or whatever. Hmm. Um, so you get a lot more, again, with Joe Morton uh, as Silas. Uh, kind of this uh, recurring theme is with his tape recorder that he's, like, recorded some message on, but you don't hear it until the end. Um, and just, like, the fact that, you know, Cyborg kind of hates him, uh, for not dying, basically, uh, since his mother and him were in a car wreck. Oh, that's right. It was, like, um, yeah, the, uh, the mom's accident in this one was different than in, uh, Doom Patrol. And it was just, like, they were just, like, driving in a car and had a horrible... But she's, like, look at me! And then <laughs> she's, like, oh, driving the car but looking at Victor. <laughs> yeah, it's that classic trope of people not looking at the road. Or, like, people stepping oh backwards into the road. <laughs> Stare straight into my eyes. While I Why aren't driving. you looking Anyways, at me while I'm driving? <laughs> yeah, so basically, I guess I guess that is a tough dilemma. Like, Victor's dad, Silas, chose to operate on him to keep him alive, but he wakes up, like, as a cyborg or whatever. I mean, it's still the same kind of thing where he thinks he's a monster, uh, finds himself monstrous. Mm. Uh, but you see more, like, flashbacks of his body actually getting constructed, and basically all that's left of him was, like, an arm and, like, the upper torso in his head, and the rest is all cyber cybernetic. Mm -hmm. Versus in the original version, I think uh, it went down to his torso or something, maybe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you get more, like, of his, I guess, technical technology world, uh, where he can, like, hack into everything. Uh, so I was kind of explaining that he has access to everything. Uh, you get a cute little scene where he, like, um, sees this, um, you know, low-income family, uh, sees some scenes of them, like, getting locked in their apartment or whatever, and, like, uh, this is kind of cheesy, but they show physical representations of money, and he, like, makes a big stack of money for them, and then the bank's like, you won some lottery or whatever. Which I'm like, the, oh, right. the bank later when they're auditing would be like, what, this is bullshit, and then uh, take it back. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, Silas has the other Tesseract slash water box <laughs> right. or whatever, and then the Atlantan Atlanteans have the one, and then the Amazonians have one. And I will say, um, I think people even now are like kind of misunderstanding this, but the mother boxes are not equivalent to the Infinity Stones. They're not like things that were created of great power at the beginning of the universe or whatever. They're more like living computers, and the whole thing they were doing is when you get them together, I guess they do kind of a terraforming thing, but mainly they were trying to, like, open a portal, which, again, that's kind of a trope, too, uh, even in the original Avengers, you know, opening a portal to get this army to come over. Um, 
but whatever. <laughs> At least uh, I don't think it's equivalent. Like the mother boxes aren't like infinity stones; they're basically just alien technology. It's hyper advanced and mm-hmm. looks like magic, but at the end of the day, it's just like science themed. Oh, that's interesting though, because like Steppenwolf in this one, I I guess that's not how he looked in the original. It was all like metallic and had these like metally parts that would go in and out, oh, so yeah. almost kind of like a cyborg. But just a like alien tech cyborg. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Silas responds to a break in uh, when the parademons is like terrorizing this janitor or whatever, which is basically the same. Scene. I know Howard the custodian was killed. I was so sad. I thought he was at the hostage unit like later on, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay, maybe. Sorry. I mean, maybe he I got killed know. then. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I just remember Silas said good night, and then the test or the mother box was getting stolen or whatever there is this kind of unnecessary detail which is that somebody like draws what they saw from the camera footage or whatever and like looks like batman so everyone's like oh is this batman uh and then later they show commissioner gordon being like ah he wouldn't have like protected us for 20 years to like steal whatever this device is (laughs) why would why would he do that (laughs) (laughs) so that doesn't really make any sense but you know it's just like one of those things that always happens in the movies or the comics where batman is uh, implicated in something but it turns to be something else Mm. Oh yeah, wait, what's the unity? You know, I'm still not that clear on it, to be honest, but <laughs> from what I understand, it's preparing the world for the appearance of Darkseid. Oh, something that we both enjoyed when we were watching this movie, it's just like, every once in a while they'll show Steppenwolf just on his own and he'll use his hammer or whatever and smash the ground in like these ley lines or whatever, or like, um, sorry, crop circle designs will appear. <laughs> And, you know, during the movie, we were like, this makes no sense, but then it turns out to be the anti-life equation, so it does make sense. But it's just kind of funny in, like, I don't know, musical theatery or, like, 80s Dance It Out, where he just has to, like, smash some uh, fun designs into the ground to get out his aggression. Yeah, I thought he was doing art for art therapy or something. It's a high school musical. He has to dance out his feelings. In the golf course. (laughs) Oh, you get some Willem Dafoe, which, again, I don't think he was in the original version at all. He looks a lot different than an Aquaman, which is fine. Obviously, they made this before that. <laughs> you know, something we were talking about before recording is that what's weird and interesting about this is that usually when you significantly change a director, like with Ant-Man or Solo or even Rogue One, um, they'll have this whole arbitration thing where they'll have to redirect, uh, reshoot, rewrite a significant portion of the movie to get credit. But for whatever reason, uh, Joss Whedon actually didn't want credit for this. Perhaps it was because of the, um, you know, tragedy surrounding uh, Zack Snyder's daughter's death. Uh, maybe he didn't want to, like, be offensive or whatever. But having said that, you can see various scenes where he, like, seemingly has gone back. Like, for example, when Cyborg meets Wonder Woman. And he has seemingly reshot the scene, barely changed the dialogue, like, just changed a few things here and there and doesn't really have an impact at all. Like, he could have just literally used the original sequence. So it just makes you wonder, like, why did he change things that didn't actually change anything? Like, what was the point of that, unless he did want the credit and then changed his mind? It just, like, kind of boggles the mind to think about. It makes this a fascinating case study. Spend more money or something to reshoot things you don't need to? I don't know, it baffles me. I really don't understand why he would reshoot scenes that don't really change anything. 
And also you said that like uh, Warner Brothers thought it failed, but it made like over 300 million. I guess that's just not good enough nowadays. Right. I mean, it's just a failure in terms of like the weird uh, marketplace we have now where every movie has to make like a billion dollars uh, thanks to Marvel and Star Wars and the whole Disney, you know, evil empire. But right. Yeah, it's funny. I don't think it was really a failure uh, in any sense, but yeah, mm-hmm. for some reason it's just considered a failure. Oh yeah, I read that Stefan Wolf Wolf's uh crop circle power is cool. Like I thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instant art. <laughs> oh yeah, so then at some point uh Martian Manhunter's like cosplaying as Martha. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> and talking to Lois Lane. That was kind of in the middle of the movie. <laughs> Which is bizarre. Uh, again, this is a scene they reshot for the Whedon version, like and that version just is Martha comes to meet Lois. They have almost the same exchange, but it's again way less impactful. And this scene is pretty touching actually. You know, they're just discussing uh Clark's death and it's tastefully shot. Uh and the other version's just like a like light blasted out office scene. So yeah, you think it's just like a touching scene, but then uh, Martha steps out and transforms into Martian Manhunter, which would have been a great, like, what-the-fuck moment if uh, this had been theaters. Mm-hmm. And he was a, he was also permanently, like, pretending to be a general from these movies or something? Oh, yeah. So he was in Man of Steel and also BVS. Um, in Man of Steel, he's, like, really prominent, actually. He's, like, one of the people being like, should we trust this guy? Which I guess is ironic, since he turns out to be an alien as well. <laughs> But maybe he's nice. like, I was protecting humans first, and like pretending to be human. All sign. Fuck this new alien. Well, yes, was his goal as he was as Martha? He was like encouraging Lois to not be as depressed or something. But I wasn't sure. Like, was the motivation for that to get her to go- happen to be to see Superman at the right time, or like was that just incident? Like he was just doing that because he felt bad for Lois Lane. I wonder what, why he did that. <laughs> Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe he just, like, uh, was spying on Martha, too, and being like, she should go check in on Martha, because her house is foreclosed on. Oh, that's right. Uh. Oh, uh, one thing I thought was stupid is that, so all these other races, I mean, it's very Lord of the Rings again with, like, the rings or whatever, but the Atlanteans, right. like, take their box and, like, put it, like, uber-protected in the middle of this, like, ocean <laughs> temple, the uh, Amazonians, uh, you know, put it in their temple and somehow guard it every day for, thousand, for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Although maybe that's not a pothole and they just, like, go there every once in a while, like, when it seems like they need to. And by the way, the female archers should have one of their uh, breasts chopped off if it's going to be accurate to history. But what uh, I digress. <laughs> and then the humans literally just, like, bury a hole, like, three feet deep and put their mother box in there. And then, like, I guess that's good enough. <laughs> right. It obviously got found later. <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't know what the hell the mother box was doing all that time until it ended up in Silas's possession. Pretty weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, there. Are, what about the mind spiders? Oh, I love the mind spiders. Yeah, that's way better. <laughs> that's like Steppenwolf's like uh, tool or like t- alien tech to hack your brain or something. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it seems to come out of his body or something. It's like his personal pet or whatever. Um, and I don't think there's anything like that in the original. He like basically just interrogates people the usual way. But this one, yeah, he's mm-hmm. like trying to get people's information. He's trying to hack people's brains and suck them or whatever. Eh? But yeah, I loved all like the cool, weird technology. And even if you look at the Man of Steel prologue, the intro sequence with uh, his father, there's a lot of like weird little sci-fi uh, CGI elements. And I think this uh, progressed that in a good way. Like Cyborg has like arms that can grow out of his body at weird times, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah. 
Well, that's, yeah, and Cyborg is in, ends up being integral because the mother boxes are computers, essentially. And so that's kind of interesting how there's, like, in DC, there's, like, Olympian gods. Like, what are, they're just, like, magical, I guess. And then there's also just, like, alien tech. Oh, yeah. So it's, like, gods fully exist in this world. <laughs> yeah, because you see Zeus and Ares uh, and... Oh, and then the original Joss Whedon version, for some reason, Zeus was Hercules, I think, which is another DC comic character. That's kind of weird that they would change that specific thing. I don't know why they would do that. Right. <laughs> oh, uh, they have, like, cool little Easter eggs, I guess. Like, um, there's this technician that Silas works with, uh, who, if you look it up, the name, it's actually somebody who is one of the Adams, like, not the main Adam, but the third Adam, or the Adam or whatever, which is, like, an Ant-Man type character who can shrink. Uh, and you see with the scene with Commissioner Gordon, uh, who's played pretty well by J.K. Simmons, he interacts with this guy named Crispus, who, again, if you look at the comics, is a pretty big deal. Again, I still don't understand why J.K. Simmons in either version worked out so much. Like, remember those photos of J.K. Simmons just, like, looking ripped with, like, huge biceps or whatever? It's like, you never see his body in any way, so I really don't understand what the hell the point of that was. I think he just wanted to work out. It's basically the answer. <laughs> Uh, so again, you see the sequence of Steppenwolf stealing the mother box. Um, it basically plays out the same as in the Whedon version, but uh, again, the action's a lot better. I don't know what you'd even call it, like CGI choreography or motion capture or something. I have no idea. But uh, again, that's way better. It's just so interesting to discuss this movie, like thinking about like other examples of this. Like you have the Blade Runner, different cuts. You have the Richard Donner Superman 2 cut, which uh, I've never seen, but people think it's a lot better. Um... You have, like, the Aliens movies, which always have lots of different cuts. Uh, and you just see, like, it really is instructive, like, with how not to meddle with movies or how, like, you can really ruin the tone or pacing or themes of the movies. Like, you can see some very clear themes in this movie, like, about sacrifice, uh, you know, regret, stuff like that. Like, the ending hinges on Cyborg being willing to sacrifice himself, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we get the whole scene where they're trying to save the people, um... I don't think they even explain it in the original version, but in this version they're like, oh yeah, it's some, like, Metropolis World Fair thing or something that they did in 1929, so they go to save those people. Uh, again, way better music. Um, I'm not sure if it was Junkie XL or not. They're, he's the one who was doing the original soundtrack. Uh, and again, they swapped him out for um, Danny Elfman. In the original version, it's Danny Elfman, but, like, the most uninspired music I've ever heard. I think that was, like, a late replacement, but... Uh, I mean, I love Danny Elfman usually, but clearly that was just, like, him on autopilots. Flash gets a lot less of stupid stuff to do, like in the, well, actually this is one version, one thing I will say I enjoyed better in the Whedon version, which is like, uh, Flash is uncertain. He's like, I've never been in a fight before, which doesn't really make any sense if you look at the rest of the stuff they've shown. But Batman's mm. like, just save one person. So that's his whole thing that he, he's doing in that scene. Oh. But then the, you see later on in that same sequence, a way better thing, which is like, he has gotten all the people out uh, and it's like, he could have just taken them down with the speed force or whatever, but for some reason they all walk down normal spaced, normal walking speed. <laughs> uh, but then like a bunch of, uh, rubble is about to crush them. And he like does this really awesome thing where he's like flashing above them, uh, taking out all the rubble. And it's like just showing his silhouette, uh, in the like flash clouds or whatever. Uh, and then cyborg like destroys the rest of it. Oh yeah, there's like teamwork. Oh yeah, and in general, like this scene and in the ending, there's like a lot more of people actually doing valuable things with their powers instead of just like letting Superman fight everything or whatever. 
And there's like a really great fight sequence with Wonder Woman and Steppenwolf. I think they had kind of a similar thing in the original version, but again, no impact at all. Uh, and this version was really cool. Like, really well choreographed, like a really awesome fight. Uh, probably one of my favorites in the movie, actually. Um, and there's another sequence that was in the original, but I think better in this version, which is like uh, Wonder Woman's lost her sword, uh, so then Flash has to like run around the whole thing and like tip it back into her hand or whatever. Um, you still get the stuff with Batman has this like, I don't know, it's like a spider basically, but it's like a walking tank thing. Uh, in the original version, again, I don't think he did anything that cool with it, but in this version he's like taking out parademons, and then Cyborg uh, latches into it. And again, in the original version, he's just like doing random shit with it, but in this version he's like full on blasting Steppenwolf with like missiles and stuff. Oh yeah, because he has to get Alfred, communicate with Alfred to get his tools and stuff, and then... He's always destroying everything. I'm just like, oh, there goes a billion dollar <laughs> tank machine or something right. like that. <laughs> and there's a great entrance for Aquaman, which is like, uh, and it's also kind of gross because you have to imagine this is this must be sewage water or whatever, because uh, in the sewers. Uh, <laughs> but basically, yeah. the water's like blasting in because uh, Steppenwolf takes out one of the walls with a missile that he catches, and then Aquaman appears like kind of silhouetted in the water. So basically, a lot of cool like silhouette work. Um, <laughs> And then he uses his powers to, like, save them. Uh, yeah, for some reason, Aquaman just changed his mind. He just appeared. Oh, the machine's called the Crawler. Uh, and Batman randomly uses a net gun, which I thought was kind of cool. He, like, pulls a parademon off Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, the parademons reminded me of um, the moth bad guys in Venture Bros. Cause they oh, have, yeah. have, like, wings or whatever. No, they're a very similar design. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Um, so basically at this point, uh, Steppenwolf has two of the boxes. In the original version, I think he just, like, puts all the boxes together, but in this version he has, like, a machine that he's plugging them into. So he has two of them so far that he got from the Amazonians and Atlanteans, and then he has, uh, one to go, uh, that Cyborg is protecting, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and you see him, like, set up his, like, evil lair or whatever, and it's very womb-like. It's like this red, veiny, glowing, uh... And a bubble, basically, over his whole base. Right. Oh, and I also noticed in the close-ups that Steppenwolf had, like, 11 fingers or something crazy, which is like, okay. Oh, yeah. That was a weird detail. Um, you get a quick scene of him talking to Darkseid, which, again, is, like, pretty awesome if you're a comic fan at all. Um, Darkseid actually predates Thanos, and Thanos is basically a ripoff of Darkseid, but I bet a bunch of people watching this would be like, oh, they totally ripped off Thanos. It's actually the opposite, which right. is ironic. It ends up reminding you of the Marvel movie, which Google saw first. <laughs> I don't think it's terribly well explained, but basically Darkseid's obsessed with this anti-life equation, which lets him take over uh, any organic living form. And in various like little arcs in DC comics, he like is successful or whatever, and the heroes somehow uh, defeat him. Mm -hmm. hmm. I don't understand this note. It just says "Lost Box Raiders of the Lost Ark Box." <laughs> Oh, oh, so they show a quick flashback of Cyborg um, talking about the box, and he's like, it was found in a very Raiders of the Lost Ark-esque uh, situation. Like, they just kept it hidden in some uh, in some warehouse for hundreds of years. <laughs> and uh, Cyborg has some pretty cool explanation of what the mother boxes actually are. He's just, like, calling them change boxes or whatever. And that's what mm -hmm. inspires them to be like, oh, we should bring back Superman. Oh, that's right. That because they're that's how his uh, dad was able to make such 
advanced tech for his body was these change the change box right it's just like will it into existence yeah so they're like talking about how matter is neither created nor destroyed but you can just change it or whatever like how uh, they use this whole metaphor about a house getting burned down and they're like well the smoke particles still exist so if you had the technology you could turn the smoke back into the house <laughs> and there's a funny moment where batman's like talking to alfred and he's like i have faith now i'm a man of faith <laughs> 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 Uh, there's a lot of good Batman posing in this in this movie. Like when they first meet up with Commissioner Gordon, there's some like good posing of him just like standing on ledges and shit. Which again, I don't, I don't for some for whatever reason those scenes were not in the original version. He's just gargoyling. And they actually have to do like a little mini heist to get into the Superman ship, whereas in the original version somehow they're just there. Uh, in this in this version, Flash has to like disguise himself as a guard, and Silas has to like help them in. Because that's really their first um, coordination of things as a team because they realize someone's like, oh, well, it's it happened after Superman left. That's why we're vulnerable. And so they're like, we got to bring Superman back. And Batman's like, all right, we're going to do it. Well, yeah. And then obviously, even though Aquaman and Wonder Woman have powers, like if you were to put them on some sort of gradient, Superman would be like still far outclassing all of them. Right. So like, uh, we're kind of fucked without him. Oh, and then when Cyborg is uh, communing with the mother box, and he keeps doing this cool, like, ghost in the shell thing with his fingers, like, turning them into tentacles right. uh, to plug into it, <laughs> he has this, like, future vision, and there's some, like, pretty disturbing imagery of, like, Wonder Woman dead and, like, in a funeral pyre with, like, uh, coins on her eyes, and, like, uh, right. Darkseid killing some Atlanteans with his, uh, he has these, like, beams that he uses all the time, <clears throat> and then... Uh, mm-hmm. Showing him, like, uh, Superman has Lois Lane dead in his arms or something. Darkseid's, like, showing he's gonna take him over. And then there's a really dumb line where Mother Box is basically just like, the future has taken root in the present, which I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. Oh, that was weird. Oh, yeah, and the, um, also the Kryptonian ship was like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you really sure you want to do this? Right. Oh, yeah. It's not recommended. <laughs> Which is kind of like in BVS when they're making, when Lex Luthor's making Doomsday and, and the judgmental ship is like, this is an abomination. And he's like, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> I don't care. Oh my gosh. The ship is like constantly naysaying. <laughs> so then Superman comes back to life. Uh, that whole sequence is basically the same, um, or probably graded and soundtrack better. I don't know. <laughs> Soundtracked better. <laughs> Scored better. <laughs> It was a very Buffy moment where he was, like, brought back to life. He was pissed about it. <laughs> no, the scene is good. Um, again, that was probably one of the sequences in the Whedon version that I liked, uh, as as is. Uh, especially the part where he, like, sees Flash moving around and, like, is trying to attack him. Oh, yeah, so in this universe, is he faster than the Flash? Well, that's actually something they addressed in the Whedon version and in the comics, which is, like, Superman and Flash are always racing, but they never quite show a definitive winner it's like a trope because it seems like the flash is kind of able to like amp up his powers even more if he wants like he kind of did that at the end well i think the actual distinction is that superman is just fast because he has these powers or whatever but the flash can actually tap into the speed force which lets him slow down time go to the speed of lights travel through time okay so he has time powers basically Mm. uh and then lois is there because of the aforementioned cop who's been brought coffee (laughs) right she's like oh evil clark and everyone now knows superman is clark kent because (laughs) he's 
got no got no glasses on. He's just or I don't know. They're like, what? Where did Superman go? Where Clark yeah. is here now? <laughs> right. I don't understand. <laughs> Superman was there a moment ago, but now it's Clark Kent. Boring old Clark Kent. Let's all go home. <laughs> oh yeah, and then it's supposed to be like Clark Kent just goes back to work at the Daily Bugle. I don't think that makes sense in the comics either, since obviously it's inspired by the death and return of Superman. Like, uh, yeah, somehow Clark Kent was killed at the same time and comes back at the same time, and everyone's like, "What?" He just took a leave of. I was on a long sabbatical. I was trapped under some rubble, and nobody could hear me. And I was like drinking some water. And, and then Superman down. heard me. And he <laughs> and he's came saying, back yeah. I'm conveniently here. Thank you, Superman. <laughs> I'm standing yeah. next to and taking a photo with. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be funny if, like, all the reporters there were like, what a scoop, Clark is Superman. Yeah. Uh, and then Lois Lane loses the scoop because she's not reporting. Gosh darn it. I think in the original version, it kind of made it sort of show that somehow Batman had contrived for her to be there, like, as a secret weapon to calm down Superman. And there's also, like, more references to BVS where he's like, I want to see if you can bleed or whatever. Like, I thought you wanted to kill me. I don't know. Some shit that we just did to snipe at Snyder, clearly, now. <laughs> but basically, he, like, snaps back to it, thanks to Lois, and then he just flies off. He goes to Kansas. <laughs> yeah, to be amongst the fields of wheat and corn. Of corn. <laughs> wheat and corn. Oh, one other thing I did like in this is that they keep showing, like, sort of romantic tension between Super... Uh, sorry, between Batman and Wonder Woman. Which I thought was kind of cute or nice. I don't know. That's from the Justice League cartoon, I think. I don't know if that's ever been in the comics. Oh, well, yeah, I guess it's because, like, they're the two most enthusiastic ones, and then everyone else, they kind of have to convince a little bit. I think that is a good pairing, actually. Um, although in the comics, I think they did briefly, romantically link Superman and Wonder Woman, which I guess makes sense power-wise, but not really uh, uh, character-wise. Right. So directly after that, Silas discovers the mother box, which is, like, blown out of the ship. He, like, takes it down to his lab, and Steppenwolf's trying to get it. Uh, and this part seemed like it was a hole at first, but he's, like, superheating the box and grossly getting cut up with laser or something. Oh, yeah, I was like, he's just needlessly killing himself, but it turns out there is a reason. Right. He's, like, making it the hottest thing on Earth so then they can find where it is. <laughs> just basically, like, Chernobyl, but they don't call it that. Mm. Uh, again, I, I wrote down Cyborg offering to sacrifice himself is very on-brand, which, again, they're doing that shit all the time in Justice League. Uh, yeah, and just, like, more scenes of them talking to each other and, like, planning and, like, being worried about each other and, I don't know, just all stuff that, again, helps you uh, connect more to them, empathize with them, see them as actual characters and not just, like, I don't know, action figures. Oh, right, and um, as far as other pairings, Aquaman and Wonder Woman had friendship moments because it's like oh atlantean oh amazonian or whatever and then cyborg and the flash had like kind of funny moments um maybe they're like the younger guys or something yeah the newbies mm -hmm. yeah there were a lot more like little moments that weren't in the original version of just like characters talking to each other mm -hmm. superman goes back to kansas and talks to lois and there's this like implication that she's pregnant because you briefly see like a pregnancy test or something Oh my god, I didn't even pay attention to that. I didn't even notice that. Right. All I noticed was he was just, like, caressing the corn and being like, oh, yeah. now I know who I am. And I was joking that it's, like, Dragon Ball Z or whatever, where he's taking the energy from the corn, so you think it's cute, but really he's just killing all the corn. He's spirit-balling the corn. He's balling the corn. Uh, <laughs> and then Martha appears, and he's like, why did you say Martha? Yeah. Martha. 
<laughs> Bruce actually references the dream he had, which is nice, just because otherwise he like never makes mention of it. And then he says, Lois is the key, and we were like, she is the mother box. Yeah, the mother box is deep inside Lois, is what I thought it was. Mm. Am I? <laughs> Do you like that Amy Adams? <laughs> uh, I like the Superman uh, black suit reveal. They had, like, little audio flashbacks or whatever of his two dads kind of talking to each other, or talking about him. Being like, you have to embrace your fate. For Man of Steel, you hear little clips of uh, Jor-El talking about him and being like, you have to show them the way and be the light and be Jesus Christ to them or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and then you hear other... Go be Jesus, yeah. son. <laughs> and then you hear other clips from Kevin Costner from Field of Dreams. <laughs> no, being like, uh, <laughs> you can... If you build it, they will come, son. <laughs> yeah, being like, you can be a hero. And then he like takes off again. It's kind of cool. But then another very, like, Christ-like pose where he's, like, T-shaped against uh, the earth and the sun or whatever. Well, he should have invited Steppenwolf over to make some crop circles. We <laughs> could have had a fun time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, that's a good point. Why don't these super-powered beings just, like, hang out together instead of constantly fighting? Yeah, use your powers to, like... Be bullies and not stuff. try to kill people. Oh my god. <laughs> like, get away from that little man. Just have some fun. Yeah. I guess that's uh, kind of like what Thanos was doing at the end of Infinity War, just like hanging out on a farm. And like, I'm done. <laughs> There's um, also this, I almost forgot about this cyborg plot about like, I guess he's kind of into being a mechanic or like he, basically Alfred couldn't get like a ship to fly or something and then he taps into it. And there's kind of a cheesy line where he says, it wanted to fly, it's in its nature. And then Batman <laughs> says, yours too. Because he learned, because, oh, his dad's message was something about, like, he can fly. So he's like, oh, and he's learning, like, how he has all the abilities to, like, fly and tap into uh, everything. So I guess he has the most growth or whatever, because he's figuring out his powers. Batman's like, uh, good job. And he's like, thanks, dad. And then they just, like, stand awkwardly for a second. And he's like, uh, I mean, Batman. <laughs> I mean, Bruce. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and they still have the same thing from the beginning uh, where Aquaman's, like, calling Bruce Wayne by name and also referring to him as Batman. But whatever. <laughs> same thing, just like giving away his secret identity. <laughs> they had this flying fox, I think they called it in the original version, I don't know if it has a name in this one, the ship you were just referring to, uh, but he doesn't really do anything with that in this in the original version, he just like launches his uh, Batmobile. But in this version he has, <laughs> they have him like launching rockets and like trying to attack the womb thing, the, the secret base. And then again, there, I think there's a lot better action with, like, the Batmobile and, like, the different teammates, like, helping him out. Like Wonder Woman chopping Parademons in half, uh, you know, Cyborg using his various powers. Uh, the same sequence with Aquaman, like, stabbing them with his trident and stuff. Well, yeah, so basically, um... Oh, and then that's where, they have to, fl that's in, like, Russia or Eastern Europe or something. So that's right. why they need a plane to fly. I guess that's kind of where you could cut it off, or I don't know where you would cut it in half, but like, um, you know, it looks like everything's against them, where it's like Steppenwolf has all the boxes, all they have is the heat signature to track, and then they have to like, and Superman, you don't know what happened to him. Right. Um, their first plan kind of like potentially fell through, so they're like, what do we do now? And now they, and it, so then this is like their second plan in a way, their coordination of it as a team. I mean, it doesn't even have to be an either or scenario, like, Harry Potter did it, uh, Hunger Games did it, just make part one, part two. I think that was yeah, the original plan, true. actually. They originally announced Justice League part one and part two, and at some point they got cold feet. In fact, even uh, I think even Avengers uh, Infinity War was originally going to be Infinity War part one and part two, but then they slightly altered their plans or whatever. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, no, and I think you could definitely make edits. Like, you could lift the whole Iris West sequence, you could remove the whole 15-minute crazy uh, nightmare sequence at the end, uh, and probably get this to a tight, like, three and a half hours or three hours if you wanted to. Uh, personally, I don't mind having all the stuff in there. Like, there's nothing that I thought was bad or extraneous or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I guess, oh yeah, and I guess this is Batman's value. Is he says something like, stick to the plan, it's why I brought you together. So it's like, he's the plan man. I guess that's his purpose. But like, uh, even if you compare uh, the Doomsday sequence at the end of BVS, like, Batman's basically useless. Like, he's used up most of his kryptonite <laughs> weapons, so he's just like, trying to survive. Whereas Superman and Wonder Woman are like, actively fighting Doomsday. And in this one, they at least let him use his, like, various vehicles and stuff, uh, and again, shooting the parademons with a gun, which uh, I'm not crazy about, but I guess would at least make sense. Like, they had a very similar plot uh, arc called Final Crisis in the comics, and that's the one where, like, Batman used a gun for the first time, like, at literally no other choice, like, Darkseid's right about to kill him, and is, like, using his beams, mm. and it's kind of a cool moment, he's, like, using his beams and Batman shoots him at the same time. Mm. But in this one, he's just, like, blasting parademons with the gun. <laughs> so then they're attacking Steppenwolf and his whole like machine or whatever to try to get the final box back. Um, you have a classic Cyborg Aquaman power combo where Aquaman's using his like trident to use water powers and Cyborg's like using his Cyborg arm powers. Uh, again, in the original version, I think literally it's just like uh, them. They show up like the three of them just stand there, and this one you actually have an action sequence before that. Like you actually have <laughs> right. the team members contributing something and not just like being useless. Mm-hmm. And then they have this whole plan that they devised where the Flash is going to go f speed of light or something, or like really fast, and help uh, Cyborg hack into the Unity. Oh, I think that was the note I took where I wrote like Barry in all capital <laughs> letters because it's Batman yelling like Barry. I guess Barry, hurry up! <laughs> Barry, you asshole! You've screwed us all. I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. So you have a moment where it's very similar to the end of Infinity War, where you think for a second the bad guys won. Because uh, they managed to do the unity. And then uh, there's like a giant explosion. Uh, well, actually, before that, Superman arrives and like saves Cyborg from getting cut in half by the axe. Uh, and is like vaguely trying to fight Seven Wolf and cuts off his horn or whatever. Which I think it's hilarious that it actually had horns and was just like wearing a helmet with weird horns. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's an explosion and Flash is like hurt and he's like, I have to heal myself. I have to go faster than light, and that's, like, probably one of the coolest sequences in the whole movie, in general, for, like, uh, speedsters. Oh, yeah, I was, like, confused, so he's using, like, his time magic to just get, be even more ridiculous. Well, it's like the theory of relativity, if you go faster than light, then I guess you can manipulate time in some way. Mm. Oh, yeah, and they show it, like, um, the world is, like, coming together as he steps, because he doesn't know what he's stepping into, like, he can't see. Yeah, no, I thought that sequence was really cool, and you see, like, the various characters coming back to life, and, like, Cyborg gets grossly put back together, and, like, you can see his skull and, like, flesh coming back. Mm. And, yeah. and they have a whole thing with, like, he's inside the Unity discussing with, like, the mother boxes or whatever, and they're trying to tempt him, and he, like, overcomes them. That shows his, like, true strength and character and power and all that good stuff. Right, they've, I, yeah, they visualized the hacking, that was cool. <laughs> I wrote down, DC hero, heroes not afraid to mutilate, uh, I guess, about the Superman chopping off Steppenwolf's horn. So, uh, you do get, like, the portal starts to open or whatever, and you see Darkseid and Granny Goodness and Desaad and their whole army, and then uh, Darkseid's like, I guess I have to do this the old-fashioned way, to, to never be seen in the sequel, because there's not going to be a sequel. <laughs> 
and you get that. It's, like, very similar to the Justice League cartoon intro scene of them just, like, standing on top, looking all triumphant in a line or whatever. And Cyborg uses his powers to, like, reconstruct the tape recorder, and there's kind of a touching message from his father. Oh, yeah, he just has, like, magic assemble powers or something. I guess somehow his interaction with the mother boxes or Unity or whatever upgraded him further. Mm. They briefly show Batman standing on top of the Dark Knight Returns tank thing that the Tumblr was based on uh, in the Dark Knight trilogy uh, with literally no explanations. It's like, I guess he has a giant tank now. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can just like briefly touch in with all the characters, you know, Flash has been accepted into his criminology program. Which again makes you wonder how he got his powers because in the comics he is a technician for the police or something and gets struck by lightning. That's how he gets his powers. Hmm. Uh, you see that Wonder Woman's going to go back to Themyscira, Aquaman's going to go talk to his father, which sets up that movie. Right. So yeah, nice little, uh, you know, epilogue, nice little grace notes again. What is this quote I wrote? Stand, fight, discover, heal, love, win. That's probably from the uh, Joe Morton tape recorder message. Oh, okay, he's talking to Cyborg then, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's some words you could string together. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, I mean, I, I think you can definitely see in that 15-minute last weird little nightmare epilogue, maybe that's more like Zack Snyder's taste, and maybe he was, like, holding himself back a little bit for the rest of this movie. But you can definitely see, like, with the main movie, like, uh, people always deride him as being too grim or, like, too uh, edgelord or whatever, but you can see that overall, like, the main Justice League movie is very, like, hopeful and good, like, good character heroic moments and, like, human humanity stuff. I think it was very touching that he actually dedicated the film to his daughter, Autumn. Oh my gosh. And so many, yeah, the characters were talking about like, oh, and I lost someone I loved and I'm all depressed and everything. So it's probably like personal for him or something. Yeah, no, no, I think it is like a good redemption story that he was actually able to come back and complete his vision the way he had originally planned it. Again, he had like a three story arc, I think. Like the second one was going to be like Darkseid actually had succeeded and the whole movie would have been that nightmare world. And then the third movie would have shown them, like, somehow time travel and fix everything. I don't know. Kind of like what happened in Endgame, right. by the way. Uh, I'm sure Marvel was, like, paying attention oh, for all this yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, this is my thing with... Uh, okay, Zack Snyder, I didn't see it as being, like, too grim. But one thing I didn't like, maybe, about his lens or whatever is just the color palette felt a little dark or something. Whereas, like, Marvel, if you were to take, like, a screenshot of that, it's a little more colorful. Well, it's kind of interesting, like the Marvel films, almost like the Star Wars films, have a very uh, distinctive house style, like they all kind of look the same, mm -hmm. uh, which I think has to do with the fact that they have like a dedicated team who kind of handles the action sequences, a lot of the CGI stuff, and just the way they do the effects, I think they have to like, um, like blanch out the color a little bit, I don't know, just like all the green mm -hmm. screens and blue screens or whatever. Um, but I will say, as somebody who has, again, read a lot of these comics, you know, you can look at Batman's design. It's obviously inspired a lot by, like, Jim Lee and Frank Miller versions of Batman. Uh, or, like, looking at Superman, you can see it's very similar to Earth-1 Superman, this, like, particular graphic novel. You can also see with Shazam, the movie, that was also inspired by that same uh, Earth-1 Shazam. But anyway, yeah, yeah. if you look at the art from, like, the 2000s and 2010s, uh, you can see that he's actually going for a look that's very similar to the DC comic art. Like, it is very... Um, and I think he was going even more stylized in BVS. Like, that one was very dark uh, colors yeah. and all that. And in tone. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, I think he's just going for a very, like, clear look. Like, 
a lot of clarity. Uh, it's like very sharp fidelity. Like this was shot in IMAX, I think mostly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can definitely see how that might not be everyone's taste. Uh, but I think that's what he's going for. Is like uh, you can also look back even further back to Watchmen. Um, I think he that's always been a project that's like stuck with him in a lot of ways. Um, and he was mm-hmm. he was trying to deconstruct things. I think like Watchmen with BVS, but it didn't really work out. Probably should have just done like a more straightforward movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I can see how he's sort of a divisive filmmaker in a lot of ways. But uh, he clearly isn't afraid to like stick with his vision. Right. Yeah, it just depends on what vision you're going for. Like, I'm just thinking, like, I know people love, like, Guardians of the Galaxy because it's all colorful and musical and, like, fun. And this is very much a little bit... I mean, it had humor, but it's more... a little more serious or something, I guess. I don't know. But that just depends on the Marvel movie, too, because there are serious Marvel movies, so I don't know. And again, overall, the whole idea is, like, save the world or whatever. Like, get the team together and save the world. Versus, like, a lot of these Marvel movies are interested in sort of subverting the tropes. And even taking, like, familiar story beats from different comics and kind of mixing them together and, uh, you know, changing it up somewhat. You, like, look at Iron Man 3, where the Mandarin turns out to be, like, an actor, uh, not the actual Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Versus this version, I think, is trying to be more straightforward in some ways. Uh, but then with the Nightmare version, obviously, being a lot crazier. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Um, if you look at the critical reception, I think there's a lot of division again. Uh, but... I think people can generally see that this was a superior movie to the one that was originally released. Um, just like a lot of stuff that they left on the editing floor that was perfectly good and there's no reason why they had cut it out, aside from like this rigid, it must be two hours exactly, uh, stipulation. <laughs> but again, I think the action's a lot better, uh, I think the story arcs make a lot more sense. Cyborg's actually in the movie. Um, right. Which I think That's is a good a thing. Good improvement. <laughs> <laughs> He's not entirely to not actually in the have movie. a Justice League in the Justice League movie. Well, it's just funny because like when they originally announced this, and like even in the comics, they had introduced Cyborg in the Justice League, and I just have never been that big a fan of Cyborg until again Doom Patrol. Um, but this mm-hmm. one I actually liked him. Like again, like we were saying, um, person in the comics, I've definitely seen him as like a Teen Titans character, not really like a Ew. Justice Leaguer. Like I, I probably prefer to see like the. John Stewart Green Lantern or like Martian Manhunter or Hawk Girl, you know, basically the characters from the cartoon. Yeah, just make the cartoon again. Come on, Warner Brothers. <laughs> but it kind of sounded like in the follow ups, uh, he was going to introduce a lot more of the characters from the comics and probably just like opened it up and had a Green Lantern and all that stuff that he wanted. Mm hmm. Just like Endgame. Right. <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I want to see the five-hour special edition Blu-ray now. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh, with even more epilogues. But I will say, um, and this is kind of like the Lord of the Rings or something, maybe, even though it was four hours long, I don't. for me at least, it didn't feel that long. Like, it felt like three hours long to me. But again, uh, we watched it in two parts. Oh, listen to this sassy review. The BBC's film critic Mark Kermode described the film as turgid and bloated, further deeming the director's cut uniformly boring as opposed to before when it was fractured and disjointed boring what? ouch well fuck that guy no i'm just kidding i don't care <laughs> well you can even look like uh, at apocalypse now that's another famous reshoot where i think some people prefer the original cut and would also say maybe that the redone version is bloated <laughs> yeah i don't think director's cuts are always perfect uh, i mean i would point against lord of the yeah. rings is like uh an example of where the extended editions are definitely superior, but unless you're a fan, you probably wouldn't 
you probably just watch the theatrical version and be fine. Right. Yeah, it could be, like, something to augment your viewing. I mean, I think if you're a comics fan and, like, know these characters somewhat, or, like, have even just seen the cartoons, you'd probably prefer this version by a lot, but if you're just some, uh, I don't know, film critic who doesn't care. <laughs> but again, I don't understand, like, why are the Marvel movies always, like, universally praised? Like, you think, you, in that case, too, people will be like, well, I hate comic book movies, so fuck this, but... Yeah, in that case, it's all uniformly boring. That's kind of how I feel. It's like, if one of these is, then a lot of them are. Well, like, uh, the Marvel movies, I will say, are, like, almost precision, like, weaponized crowd-pleasers. Even going back all the way to the Avengers, um, where just every movie is, like, they clearly have talked it over and, like, gone through all the issues. Probably, like, how they made Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all those blockbusters. Uh... Whereas, again, with DC, I think they're willing to take more chances on, like, different uh, individual voices. Like, obviously, Joker is very, like, individual voice, even if, again, a lot of people don't like that movie. <laughs> or, again, you could look at Shazam or Wonder Woman or any of these movies. They're clearly, like, auteur-driven or whatever, if you like that phrase. Yeah, I, I do get annoyed with how um, Marvel's, like... Let's just keep expanding. Like, we have to have a show about just the agents in S.H.I.E.L.D. And we have to have all this stuff you have to see. And it's all tied into each other, but it's just maybe, like, one random character, like, links it, like, Agent Coulson or so. I don't know. It just gets a little absurd after a while. Right. Up its own butthole. But, uh... Whereas, like, yeah, whereas, like, comic books, it's kind of like, oh, here's a, a release from one author. Here's another release from another author. And it doesn't have to, like have perfect continuity or whatever. Right, and it is kind of nice for just comic books that you can just pick them up and, like, read them. It's, like, like not, like, life or death or whatever. Mm-hmm. It could be, like, simple stories. Like, one of the best comics ever written was just about Hawkeye, like, living in uh, New Jersey and, like, fending off some mobsters or something from an apartment complex. It's very simple. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be in apocalyptic. Or, like, the Vision comic... Division comic that I think WandaVision was partially based on, which is him like making a robot family and trying to live like a suburban life, then quickly getting <laughs> way dark. Right. <laughs> well, this review sounds somewhat similar to what we were saying in, um, the, I'm probably saying uh, the reviewer's name wrong, Bilge Ebiri mm-hmm. of Vulture said, the Snyder Cut has its share of problems. When you get the best of Snyder, you also get the worst as we were saying it's polarizing and then uh but it but it's an undeniably passionate and moving work it earns its self-importance yeah i would agree with that i mean if you hate Zack snyder like and i'm including not just dc films but if you just don't like him at all then you probably wouldn't like this movie but if you have liked some of his movie and some of his movies and dc in general i think you would probably find that this movie at least makes sense and is saying something uh, even if you don't agree with it i don't know Whereas the original, right. I think, again, was, like, very vague and, like, made it seem like it was worse than it was. Maybe intentionally, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh my god, it was a produ- it was the producer's <laughs> the musical producers. that did a ba- made a bad on purpose. <laughs> uh, it just kind of reminds me of how The Last Jedi then led to um, The Rise of Skywalker or whatever. It's like, a very, like, bland, trying-to-be-crowd-pleasing, uh, fuck-the-people-who-actually-liked-The-Last-Jedi or, like, in this case, fuck the people who actually liked Man of Steel or BVS somewhat. Mm. It's like, I'd rather have a, like you were saying, a passionate movie that actually has, like, someone behind it than a committee-made movie that's just like, we need this, and we need this, and we need this beat here, and this action scene there, and whatever the hell. Like, I prefer the organic <laughs> development cycle. Mm-hmm. 
and again, it does seem like Zack Snyder has a lot more respect and understanding of these characters than Joss Whedon or whoever made those changes. Yeah, I definitely remember thinking when I saw the original that it was, like, pretty bad. Yeah, um, and I will just say, like, I would rather watch this movie over again if, if I had to versus, I mean, I don't think I've really seen Joss Whedon's Justice League many times. No. Just, like, the original theater experience and then maybe once since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's a four-hour movie. It's going to be divisive. Like, people don't have the bandwidth for that, but you can just watch it in segments. And it's fine. I do think, it, like, the two-hour market has a pretty good break. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie has about a 72 on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, probably give it, like, a strong eight, maybe an eight and a half, even. <laughs> yeah, it does seem very polarizing with the reviewers. Some people just really hating it. <laughs> Some people liking it. Which, again, for me, at least, this episode's kind of the opposite of what we usually do, because we usually talk about filmmakers who have been successful and then make, a like, a flop or, like, a misstep or, like, a, I don't know, just didn't turn out right, but they were pretty passionate. yeah. (laughs) But in this case, I think they were passionate and actually turned out a really good improvement over both Man of Steel and BBS and even some of his other movies. Yeah, I love this concept of, like, the Snyder Cut and the fans being like, you must release the Snyder Cut. (laughs) We will kill you. Yeah, again, I think a lot of those fans are probably toxic, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who, like me, who just, like, want to see it and weren't, like, threatening people or, like, calling people assholes or whatever the hell they were doing. Right. Yeah, I'm just, like, curious, especially with all the renewed interest because of, um, like, Ray Fisher coming out about his treatment, um... Oh, Ray Fisher. Sorry, I think I've been calling him Ray Porter this entire episode. <laughs> My mistake. Mentally... No, I don't remember what you said. Mentally re- I just saw his name again, I remembered. <laughs> yeah, Ray Fisher. So yeah, it's like, rel- it's relevant again with, like, Whedon and the Justice League coming back in the news. Yeah. I mean, again, if I were in charge, I probably would just hire Bruce Timm and Paul Dini and all the people who made the cartoon and just be like, make that. Or I'd hire Grant Morrison, who, like, revived the Justice League in comics like, wrote a really good arc, and just do that. Nope. We can't pay people for credits, Pablo. <laughs> right. But if you have to choose some other version, I don't think this is a bad one at all. And I think it does justice to a lot of the DC universe in mm-hmm. totem. And it feels like its own world. It feels like a world. It doesn't just feel like some corporate bullshit. Yeah, it could totally... It fits with, like, the Wonder Woman movie and all that. And could they have made this PG-13? Probably. I mean, it would be kind of nice if kids could see these movies, but... Oh, I didn't even realize it was R. Well, technically they rated R is because they have, like, the three F-bombs and they do show some, like, blood. Uh, which, again, like, in the mm-hmm. cult sequence, they actually show them, like, shooting people, which I think in the original one they didn't show anything like that. Which I'm like, yeah, they should right. be shooting people, why wouldn't they? <laughs> and obviously there's, like, some gore and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it necessarily has to be rated R, like, I'm sure you could edit it down. Right. But he's like, I'm going to give them my full four-hour cut. <laughs> it's uncut. <laughs> Just gonna... Yeah, my uncut. Bigger, longer, and uncut, or whatever the South Park thing was. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, because in honor of the Snyder Cut, our podcast is going to be four hours long, <laughs> and it's going to take you three years to and edit. There's going to be no edits. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. <laughs> and we're going to do a reshoot in three years. Oh, we're perfect. Talk about it again. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like in general, if Zack Snyder hadn't made things like Sucker Punch or whatever, which I don't think anybody liked, mm-hmm. though I will defend The Alice of Gahul. I think that's actually a good movie. <laughs> he probably would be considered better than he is. Those owls are like, this is Sparta! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, people, again, like 300. People 
a lot of people prefer Dawn of the Dead to the original version. Hmm. I think he did Watchmen about as good as he could. Like, I don't really know how you could make it better than he did. I don't know. Some internet comments I saw were like, I hated how he did Watchmen. I mean, it's pretty much <laughs> almost exactly like the comic. The only thing he really changed was taking out some stuff that wouldn't have made sense in the format. Mm. Like, there's a bunch of sequences where this boy reads an unrelated comic book, and then you read the comic book in the comic book. <laughs> there's no really oh. way you could do that in the movie. Uh, right. And there's some, like, um, like at the end of the comics, you, like, read uh, some excerpts from a book, which, again, you couldn't do in a movie. Uh, and then he just changed the fact that at the end of the comic, there's a giant squid that materializes in the middle of New York, and that's what kills everybody. But in this version, he made in his version, he made it like Doctor Manhattan technology, basically, which actually makes more sense thematically. Hmm. Okay, so he didn't change that much. I guess he's like an acquired taste, and maybe has some like weird political ideas. I have no idea, but he actually thinks. Right. <laughs> or shoot for the moon. You'll end up among the stars. <laughs> oh, it's because Ray Porter plays Dark Side. Oh, there you go. Okay, sorry, confused myself. Yeah. Like, just check out Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah, I mean, Doom Patrol is, like, way better than any of these movies. <laughs> Even the Marvel movies. Yeah. It has a really good cyborg take. Yeah, it has a good interpretation of cyborg. No, I'd love for them to make, like... That's the problem, when you have all these, like, hundreds of million dollar movie budgets, like, you can only make these, like, middle-of-the-road, crowd-pleasing movies. I'd love for them to make, like, some of these weirder properties... Like, they had a Swamp Thing show for a second, but they could have done that more. Uh, they could do The Invisibles. They could do better versions of Constantine. I don't know. I haven't really seen any of that stuff, but... Well, it's interesting, yeah, because that Swamp Thing is... Some of the things are on the CW and are kind of, like, their own thing, like you were saying. It looks like the new Suicide Squad is going to be pretty uh, aggressive. Oh. And I guess Guardians of the Galaxy was trying to be that, but, again, wasn't really that out there, really. Mm-hmm. And again, I'd love to see the original Edgar Wright cut of Ant-Man. I'd love to see the original cut of Solo, etc. Ooh. <laughs> but we probably never will. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I want to see all this footage that, like, uh, these big studios have just been like, ah, oh, scrap it all, it's not generic enough. <laughs> That's the thing that annoys me. I mean, even with, like, Age of Ultron, supposedly there was a three-hour cut. They've just never released any of that deleted footage. Uh, yeah, there's just, like, a bunch of films where, like, there's a bunch of deleted scenes that you just never see. Usually Marvel and DC film, or, sorry, Marvel and Disney films. Mm-hmm. Alright, well, I think that was a pretty good, uh, re-edit, so I give my kudos to all the people involved. Obviously, it's not just a monolith, it's also, like, one person involved in all these films, but mm-hmm. I think it was overall a worthy thing, and you can see that HBO Max has had its most subscribers ever, thanks to this, specifically, uh... So I think they're probably happy too, and maybe they'll throw Zack Snyder his own thing, like if he wants to go make his nightmare movie. I don't know. <laughs> what a, he gets a passion project out of it because people watched HBO Max for it. Oh well, he's about to release a new like zombie movie, uh, which I don't know if it'll be good or not, but whatever. Um, so I'll probably see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know what DC Films goes from here, really. Like, it just seems like they're doing random things. Let them make the Suicide Squad, random Wonder Woman sequels, the Batman. Uh, you know, they made Joker. They don't really have a plan. They don't have a Kevin Feige. It says that they just, like, because of the box office flop of Justice League, that they're just going for, like, individual films. So, yeah, it just is, like, willy-nilly. Which, maybe that'll be successful. Maybe it'll, like, end up being kind of shitty. I don't know. I do like that Marvel has a cohesive, like, storyline that you could follow and watch all the movies and it makes sense, but 
that's Marvel. Like Marvel just not be to see. Yeah, it just won't. It just won't have a cohesive like look or tone or whatever. Or Disney will just buy DC and reboot it and. Uh, oh God! Do a Take DC over film. more stuff. <laughs> and then DC and Marvel will become one. <laughs> Holy shit! Or Disney will buy all of us and force us to watch their movies. And we'll be forced to work in the parks. <laughs> we'll be forced to animate their films. Like, be just part of their CGI farm. Oh my god. I mean, if this movie had come out in theaters, it probably would have been one of my top experiences of the year. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I like that, um... Yeah, overall, I'm glad there was more of a Justice League. They had, like, Jason Momoa being all shirtless. Like, he always had to take off his shirt. <laughs> like, that's kind of funny. That's kind of funny leading up to his own movie where they totally, like, used him that way, too. Like, to be, like, eye candy or whatever. Constantly drinking Ezra, Ezra Miller got to be... Oh, yeah, drinking. Yeah, building up his character since he hadn't known his movie yet. Yeah, Wonder Woman got to, you know, be the strongest, like, at the t- fend off all the bullets and everything. And, like... Yeah, I think Wonder Woman was almost better than in her sequel, but maybe that's in a future podcast. I don't know if that's their typecast or whatever. But... Oh, but then the other sad thing is that supposedly Ray Fisher was originally going to be in the Flash movie that they've been making forever, uh, but now because he dared to speak up about his apparent actual abuse, uh, they like have just... Well, he basically said he's not going to work for them again. Mm. That's kind of sad, because again, he did really good work, and there's no reason why he shouldn't have continued. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I love how it's just... Yeah, you can't piss anyone off, but like these executives can just like run things into the ground i don't know <laughs> and they'll never get fired i don't know i mean i don't know just to me it just seemed like Zack snyder clearly did a good job and didn't deserve all the scorn joss whedon clearly did like a hack job and shouldn't have probably received a paycheck that he got well i, I just assume it has to be yeah favoritism like he was their buddy or something i don't know why they picked him. oh i mean but... it's because the avengers made a billion dollars Oh, okay. They're just like, make us the same money. Yeah, essentially. Oh, they're they're probably thinking like, haha, we're sniping you from Marvel because they pissed you off, so we'll get you. Which is kind of what they did with James Gunn and Suicide Squad. Mm. They're probably in their board meetings being like, haha, we got that, mar- we got them, got we got em. Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but again, if that's what you're going to do, then, like, they could have released this movie, and, like, let it do whatever it did. And then hired Joss Whedon to make the sequel and be like, this doesn't have to be connected, it could be its own thing, we don't really care. And that probably would have been a good movie too, like, say what you will about him as a person, but he's pretty good with making things, I don't know. Yeah, just like, let the, if, if it's gotten that far in production, just like, let it be what it is, and then like, invest in someone else later, I guess, if you don't like the result, I don't know. Yeah, they clearly weren't actually invested in making this, like, a good palatable movie to release to the theaters, they just like... Make it as short as you can so you can get as much money as you can, supposedly. <laughs> and then Joss Whedon didn't really get any good uh, after effects from that. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, yeah, so a film, two films mired in controversy. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting slice of movie life or something, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably teach this whole controversy in film school or something. <laughs> but, um... For me, at least, this was, like, a way better watch than the original. Way better Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and again, I probably would have picked, like, a simpler story. Like, uh, I really love in the comics when 
they just have some like sci-fi thing happen and they just have to like puzzle their way out and it doesn't have to just be a big fight like those I think are the best mm-hmm. Justice League stories where they just have to like come together with their minds human problems like like the original Star Trek or TNG compared to the movies I guess they're not just like always running mm-hmm. around being like oh this and that <laughs> so I'd love them to make like a smaller Justice League movie but they probably never will so for that I'll just watch the excellent show and read the comics yeah, that would just be too cool to make it to actual, like, mainstream blockbuster movie. <laughs> I just don't understand, like, why does every blockbuster movie have to be, like, end-of-the-world stakes? It's annoying. <laughs> I think it's so it can be, like, globally uh, accepted or whatever. It's stakes for everyone, I don't know. <laughs> it's fantastic four hours long. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we'll just yell, Martha! No, that's a different <laughs> Um... If you haven't watched the uh, BVS Ultimate Edition, it is way better than the original, but I also wouldn't. Oh, okay. I also wouldn't recommend it still, but I don't know. It actually <laughs> makes sense again. And the overall plot isn't too dissimilar from Civil War, which everybody loved. Wait, what ha- Oh. Did they get to keep the mother boxes? Hmm. Not sure what happened to the mother boxes, actually. Because that's, like, powerful. Maybe Cyborg absorbed them or something? Maybe they just exploded? Oh. I don't know. Oh, and it's also sad because they're also going to make a cyborg standalone movie, but obviously they won't do that either now. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Some conclusion give Ray Fisher more money. Forever. <laughs> Apparently there's also a black and white version of this, which... Okay. Wait, what? I don't know. There's like a black and white edit of this for some reason. It's like that Bruce Willis comic book movie Sin City or something. And in conclusion, no movie will ever be as good as Logan and they should just stop trying. Oh my gosh. It's true. Oh, and also the ironic thing is, like, again, people criticized BVS for being so dark and all this stuff, but it's clear that Zack Snyder actually had a story arc in mind where they'd start at their lowest and then eventually become, like, the heroes in the comics. Like, become the Superman that everyone wanted to see or the Batman that everyone likes. Mm-hmm. They did never explain what the hell happened with Robin and the Joker, but whatever. Oh, yeah, in the epilogue. <laughs> oh, it said David Thewlis was Ares, like, just replacing his face. <laughs> okay, whatever. But again, if they hated Zack Snyder so much, why did they rehire him? They could have just been like, okay, BVS, you're done. Right. <laughs> There's no reason they had yeah, to. Yeah, if they don't like the tone, yeah. That's why I feel like, yeah, it's like bad uh, executive decisions. And to be honest, I'm surprised they even make as much money as they do with all these like bad decisions and like spending a bunch of money on something and then throwing it out. It was just silly. I guess they just really, really wanted a Kevin Feige, but they didn't get the one they wanted. Oh, and apparently he had had this cut like, he'd had the edited together movie without the effects. They'd have been showing people for years, and everyone was like, wow, this is great. And that's why, like, independent filmmakers like uh, Kevin Smith or whoever have constantly been, like, praising it and, like, talking it up and, like, revealing little snippets from what they had seen. Well, I will say, yeah, this, like, proves what I'm always saying about, like, Fast and Furious. Like, I don't even care about um, car racing or how silly Fast and Furious is, but just, like, if you have an ensemble cast with characters playing off each other, it instantly makes it, like, better than it would be just at, like, face value for the plot. That's true. I do like ensembles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't have, like, not every movie has to be an ensemble, but if you have an ensemble, you have to have some, like, team-ups and interactions and... I mean, that's the power of the Justice League just as a concept is, like, I mean, they're super friends or whatever. The super they just hang out together, all. and then sometimes things cause them to fight people. They just hang out and get coffee together. <laughs> Sounds great. And have tea and crumpets with Alfred. 
a strong pitch. <laughs> I need $700 million to shoot a film where the Justice League just hang out and eat tea and crumpets. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll continue the story in comic book form or something. Or animated. Crazier things have happened, clearly. <laughs> oh, and I guess Ben Affleck will return for the Flash movie, since there, it seems like they're going to have a b- bunch of different versions of Batman in it. Oh. During their own multiverse stuff. Like, uh, Michael Keaton's going to be in it. What the fuck? <laughs> Which, again, is either going to be the greatest film ever made or the worst film ever made. Well, all the Batmans. <laughs> That's what they should call it. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know how to end it, either. <laughs> Maybe things don't have to have an epic ending. Maybe they can just sort of 